to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer a heretic. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and for the next hour, I'll be your Sherpa to nowhere in particular. Nowhere in particular. Hey, what's happening? What's happening, everyone? I hope everyone's doing well. Hope you're COVID-free. It's out of control right now. We're having like 100,000 cases a day in the States. But don't worry. I have breaking news for everyone. The Trump administration has announced that included among their accomplishments is the ending of the COVID-19 pandemic. Bravo. You've done it. You've done it, good chap. Oh, my Lord. Tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow is the day that either Trump is done or half done. <laughs> well, not technically done. There's a, there's a, there's a little, uh, period in between the election and the inauguration. But I'm hoping to God we're done with him. I'm hoping we can move on to, uh, criticizing someone who is not a complete narcissist and asshole someone who's just a regular polit- political asshole like like Joe Biden Th- those are the days those are the days we look forward to ladies and gentlemen i hope everyone's doing well in spite of all the crazy shit that is going on i hope you are excited for another episode of this show because we've got a good one for you We are going to make a call in just a moment here and talk with the one and only Michelle Collins once again, and we're going to talk about the book that she is putting out sometime before the end of 2020, and it's going to be out on Choir Publishing. We're going to talk about why she wrote it. We're going to talk about who she wrote it for and all of that good shit, but before we do that, Please, everyone, just take a minute and go to patreon.com slash mjdistefano and put a dollar or five dollars, sign up in there. It's going to help me continue this show and continue to write. I say it week in and week out, and we've had some people sign up, but not enough. Not enough. I want to keep this shit going. I want to be able to do that, but it costs money. It costs time and it's just, it's super helpful for people to support free content. So it's donor based. It's, you're not buying anything. You're getting free stuff. If you, if you get, if you sign up, you're getting stuff, but mainly you're just helping content like this get out there to more people. And I hope we're putting on a good enough show where a couple of you can do that because I hope we're helping people. And this, this conversation that we've got coming up with Michelle Collins is going to help people. My phone is so hilarious. It's got the hip hop uh, horn. <laughs> uh, so please do that. Head on over there. Sign up now. Patreon.com slash MJ And without further ado, let's give Michelle Collins a call right now.
Hello. Hi, Michelle. This is Matt. Hi, Matt. Como estas? Mm, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Does it mean how it are you? It means how are you? Oh my God, see, I should know the most basic of Spanish and I just do not. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I have, I have a bit of a headache today. Tottenham Aww. lost, so I'm kind of in a bad mood. Oh, I'm sorry. I hate it when our sports teams don't do what we want them to do. I know. It's like it, they should try harder for my sake. Like they should just listen. I mean, don't I'm yelling know. loud enough. I know. Don't they know we care and I'm throwing my phone <laughs> on behalf of you? <laughs> you know, we we take all that way more seriously, I think, than they do. I, I yeah maybe I, I yeah I think we let it um like we brood over it longer than yeah we I mean because I'm sure they're competitive they want to win and all that kind of stuff but I mean yeah to sit around and just you know ruminate on the outcome and chastise everybody around I think we're the ones doing that not them right they've moved on and we sulk yes <laughs> but that's because that's what we have in our lives so that's, that's all the state we have <laughs> we have um well when this comes out we're gonna have one day until the election we have like oh my god t minus four or five days as of now how oh you feeling gosh. how you feeling uh, i'm i am highly anticipating the outcome and yet terribly afraid of the outcome i have however scheduled a massage for that day <laughs> oh yeah yeah because i figure at least there i can get an hour and a half of peace and quiet and nobody talking about it so <laughs> we'll see if my we'll see if that bears out or not but do, uh, uh, do you have you think trump's gonna win I don't know how to answer that question. I have high hopes that he's not <laughs> I love, going to. I, I love how telling it was because the, the way you answered it was. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> well, I mean, if 2016 is any indication, I don't want to tip my hand here because I really felt like he wasn't going to then. And of course he did. And uh, I have great hope this time around that somehow the universe has corrected itself. <laughs> but I also am aware that the universe likes to fuck with us every now and then. So <laughs> there's, there's still that chance. So I don't know the polls, the polls look good, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah. I got, I got as, um, I got up to about 70% that he was going to lose. Mm. I, at the, at the start of the year, I was pretty confident he would win. And right now I think it's a pick em game. It's a 50, 50. Yeah. I saw in the news, of course, you know, the only news that's on where I live is Fox news. Um, if I go to the gym, that's all that's on. And I saw they had a whole electoral calendar up the other day and they were all the summations, you know, if, if this happens, then this, and if this happens, then this. And ironically, and quite surprisingly, they had him winning no matter what happened. So <laughs> it was such a shock. Wait, Fox News had him winning in all of their scenarios? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, they're not going to allow for anything else. <laughs> Those people are so funny. I love how their uh, their tagline is "fair and balanced." It's oh like, my you gosh, dumb, you dumb cunts are anything but that. <laughs> I'm like, I was sitting there watching it the other night. I was endless cardio sessions, and I was watching it. I can't hear it, but I was watching, and I had this flash after seeing some of the the lines go across. You know, I was like, if you've been watching this all along, then you're thoroughly enmeshed in this. But any thinking person that has not been watching this reads their taglines and goes that is ridiculous or that is so slant. There's no way to see it otherwise unless you are completely enmeshed and have been for a while. Do you, do you remember one that was uh, particularly funny? Um, well, the one I saw the other night was that um, uh, president Trump was speaking and he was telling the crowd that um, Joe Biden was going to destroy the suburbs. And I'm like, 
Oh, for fuck's sake. He's just, I mean, like he has nothing else to do when he's president but to run around and destroy the suburbs. I don't, you know, come on. Every and this is a ridiculous contention, and here's why: because the states all have their own rights. The governors of those states run those states. The towns run themselves. There are things in place that keep the country running, and one man in one office is not responsible for everything. And I and that goes both ways, in my opinion. So this idea that he could do anything to destroy the suburbs, I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like, there's no basis in reality for that statement. So. Yeah, I yeah I I thought the whole country was supposed to run on like with guardrails, like like the president shouldn't matter too much, right? Right. But it just seems like I don't know in this day and age. I don't I don't know. Yeah. It's it, it, it it's um, I think with Trump it's more about like I'm not even scared of Trump. I'm scared of the the people who yes. are like. Like on like a hundred percent ride or die. Like, yeah. If if it's not Trump, we're gonna we're, we we got to burn this whole thing down because we're right. all gonna be commie bastards at the end of it. Well, I think that's part of the anticipation I'm holding for the election. I mean, like I said, there's hopeful anticipation that that it goes the way I hope it goes. But on the other side of that is a little bit of trepidation for what happens if it goes that way. Yeah. You know, um, because I've heard over and over from the right, you know, that oh, if 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 uh, Biden loses, um, the liberals are going to riot and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, that's as likely uh, the other way as well, because we're talking about violent people. We're not talking about objection, you know, people that are thinking objectively in any form or fashion. Yeah. So it's it, it that's likely to happen. And yeah, I'm a whole lot more worried about people on the right losing their minds and becoming violent because they all have guns. <laughs> so. And they got a lot of guns. Dangerous. You know, you know what's funny is when they say that if Trump loses, they're going to move out of the country. And okay. and bye bye. So, what? Yeah. What's so funny <laughs> is that if they think Biden is socialist, go to a go to a European country. Yeah. And just just see how moderate or even right Joe Biden is compared yeah. to some of these places. Oh, I'll just move there and I'll move there. It's like, uh, no, I don't think you understand that in America moderate is really right right and people on the left are really kind of moderate as opposed to other countries right and 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 again i had to correct somebody again last night and they chose to bow out of the conversation but they used the word socialist and i said no 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 no, hold on they were talking about bernie sanders and i said hold on democratic socialism and they're like well whatever i'm like no 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 not whatever because they are vastly different definitions and yeah. you cannot lump them together as though they are the same otherwise you are going down the road to believing the same thing that everybody else believes without ever doing any homework to educate yourself yeah and that's disappointing it is disappointing but you know it's not disappointing and watch this transition okay your uh, your upcoming book oh. it, is, it is the opposite of disappointing. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today, Michelle. I didn't want to talk about all this political bullshit. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Let's, that was a brilliant segue. Brilliant. I, I, I've done this once or twice. I tell you what. <laughs> it's obvious, so well it's done. It's so obvious. Yes, well done. Well done, chap. <laughs> so let, let's talk about it. I was, um, I loved reading it. I was um, very happy that I wrote the forward for it. Yes, you did. And I think it's a timely book and it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people who are deconstructing. I hope so. So I, 
I, I'm guessing that is your like your target audience. But let's talk more about that. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why is this book? Why did you write this book? Um, first of all, tell 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 the lovely listeners, all nine <laughs> of them, uh, what, what, the, what the title is, when they can expect it, and why you wrote it. Okay, uh, the title is Into the Gray. I do not have a subtitle yet. I was uh, speaking with the publisher yesterday about that, so we're going to be working on that. But it's Into the Gray. Um, I don't have an exact date yet. It's supposed to be end of November, beginning of December. So hopefully I'll get an exact date here soon. Um, and I wrote it because it was inside of me and needed to come out. It, it was, it's my own personal experience um, with questioning my belief system, but it went further than that for me. It became questioning everything up into and including myself and my understanding of life and God and everything. And I had a revelation one day that as I was going through this process and lamenting about it, I realized this is a very psychological process. There's so much going on here in the emotional realm and in the psychological realm. And I don't think anybody's talking about it from that perspective. Like what is actually happening to to us psychologically as we're going through questioning our beliefs? And so that became the interest for me. Um, and, but again, I'm a very anecdotal writer unless I'm writing for school. So it's, it's more, it's laid back. It's snarky. I'm very sarcastic. Um, I know it's hard to believe, uh, (laughs) my daughter's reading it and she sent me a message the other day and she goes, okay, I have to keep laughing because I can totally hear you saying some of this. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it just, it became something that I needed to get out of me and to better understand myself. And ironically, it took more time than I would have liked. Um, I, I just thought I should sit down and write about this process and it'll be very technical because I'm used to writing for school. And I realized I couldn't do that because along the way I had to deal with myself. And so I had to keep stopping and reevaluating. And so I thought, my God, this is never going to end. The book finally did get written, but as far as the subject, I don't know that it does end. I don't think it does. I think we continue on in that. As far as deconstructing goes? Yeah. I think, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's an ongoing process of new evaluation, new decision making. And I think that's healthy. Hmm. I think I think when we're locked into a mindset that says this is the truth, my only truth, I'll never look at anything else, we've become very religious again. And that's a danger. Yeah, it it starts to uh rebuild the house of cards that was originally torn down. Right. And that's, I guess that's normal to some extent because that's homeostasis for us. That's what we, that's what we want. Our brain is trying to take us back to what's comfortable. And so we try to go back to create a system, you know, or a foundation that feels normal, but it's just enough outside of our old box that we feel like we've evolved. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's hard on the, it's hard on the emotions. It's hard on the psyche. It's, it's a lot of work. Do you, do you find that when writing a book like this, that because you're ever evolving, that you have to go back and rewrite things because mm-hmm. you have changed your opinion now? I, I started doing that at one point and then I thought, no, because that's not the whole journey. The whole journey has to be there. So there was some things I changed along the way, but rather than making a lot of edits, I, I, <laughs> I've already been chastised for this, but I wrote a preface and just said, hey, by the way, <laughs> shit's going to change along the way. <laughs> Because yeah. I wrote it over a period of time and I went through a lot of changes in emotions while I was writing it. So you're going to hear different voices. You're going to hear anger. You're going to hear sadness. Um, you're going to hear sarcasm. 
you know, and yeah, there was a lot of it that felt uncomfortable to put out there because you know this as a content creator, you put yourself out there. It's like putting pieces of yourself out there for public consumption and they sometimes bite. And so it's a little daunting. Yeah. I feel like unless you're writing technical writing, it's almost <laughs> like, it's almost like you're um, opening up your journal and saying, <laughs> okay, here you go. Uh, yeah. Don't bite too hard. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And somebody's always going to have a problem with it. Um, but the hope is, of course, that more people resonate with it than, you know, have something to find fault in it for. Um, and I've I've got some people reading it right now. The, uh, all my feedback has been good so far. Um, and in all honesty, I was a little surprised. So many people said, I completely understand what you're saying here. I have felt these exact same emotions. Um, I've even had some of the same experiences. And so that was my hope. But, you know. Of course, I'm very big on self-doubt, so I just assumed it was only going to be my story and that people might understand it, but not necessarily feel it. Mm. So we'll see. But that's, a, but that's part of the deconstruction process, and that's what you and I talk about in, in the book that we wrote that would right. be coming out you know, probably next year, I'm guessing, but yeah. is that no matter what the events are in your life that you deconstruct, no matter what the the theologies are, the doctrines, it's the emotion that we resonate with each other with. Yes. Yeah. It's, well, it's, because it's, that's it's how it, yeah, it's how we feel during the process that right. we're all like, yeah, I know that feeling. It's a common denominator because it's human. Yeah. Um, as much as we like to disavow emotional responses, that is what we respond to. That is how we respond. And so, you know, I, we can't get away from emotion. And so when you're talking about experiences, that have been traumatic in some form or fashion with people. Yeah. That it's going to dredge up those emotions. As I mentioned, I've had uh, a couple people different. I've got a, quite a group reading it right now. And I had feedback from one the other day um, who called and chatted with me and said, you know, I found myself the other day entering into an argument that I with somebody I would never argue with. And I didn't even mean to. Um, I, I heard something they were saying about religion and out of my mouth came things that I've been thinking for a long time, but I didn't mean to say it. And I kind of laughed and I said, oh, sorry, I'm going to say that's probably my fault. And they started laughing. They go, oh, it's completely your fault <laughs> because I'm reading your book and it has evoked all these emotions. And suddenly I, they're bubbled up to the surface again and I'm having to deal with them again. But that's what happens when we're deconstructing. That's that over and over process. And those emotions are always going to come up and have to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of liken the whole thing to the grief cycle. Yeah. And well, that's what it started feeling like to me. Like I had a relevation, a relevation, a revelation. One Releva day. You, you went Re I relevated it. <laughs> Your releves are wonderful. My daughter would be very proud. <laughs> uh, well, she'd have to be, I'd fall on my ass, but um, okay. no, I had a revelation one day that I, I've spent so much time. And of course my experience included a lot of anger and a lot of depression and all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually grieving. And then I didn't know exactly what I was grieving. I, and I realized it was a lot of different things. I, I was grieving losing community uh, for when I got kicked out of church. I was grieving my ideas of God. Um, and then I was grieving the time I felt I had wasted. And I think that was probably the hardest one to get past um, because it all the responsibility fell on me. It was like I had never done my due diligence to ask questions. It had never even occurred to me. Why was I so stupid? And there was, you know, there was so much self-recrimination involved that that's where my anger resided 
for the majority mm. of the time that I was struggling with it. Um, but I suddenly realized, yeah, I'm grieving. And, and again, that's another reason it took so long to finish writing because of course, in the grief cycle, one of the stages of grief is acceptance. And I thought, I don't know how you ever accept this. I, I don't know how you ever get used to this feeling. And I, but to be honest, I'm almost positive that anybody that's lost somebody close to them would say the same thing. You know, I don't know how to yeah. get past that. Yeah. And yeah, it, that's, that's, that's tough. Are you, so you're still haven't felt that acceptance yet? Um, I think to some degree, I understand acceptance a little bit better now, but I think that we have this grand idea that when we accept something traumatic, you know, when we reach that place where we're done grieving, we, we feel like everything goes back to normal, but that's not true. And right. in, again, anybody that's lost somebody close to them knows that's not true because that person doesn't come back or right. that relationship doesn't exist anymore. And so you're left in this place of a new normal, which can feel very foreign. And so there's an acceptance to that more than anything, not an acceptance necessarily of the process itself or the pain, but that, okay, I'm in a new place now and I have to learn to live from this place. Um, and of course, as human beings, we are, we're literally built to do that. It's just different for each one of us and in its timing and in its scope. So it's, you can't put, you can't put a definition on it. And that's one of the things that if, if I'm going to get frustrated with people talking about de deconstruction, it's going to be that, oh, by the way, here's the process for it. You know, yeah. here's the checklist. Here's when you're expected to be done with it. And I just think that's all bullshit. So, yeah. I mean, we're each individual. We do it our own way. Yeah. And you understand the grief cycle, I'm sure, better than I do. But it's not any sort of linear thing. And that's mm -hmm. and that's kind of kind of like the same thing that that frustrates you is that people who might have the, here's the, um, the 10 steps of deconstruction. <laughs> here's, here's how you're going to get from point A to point Z right. <laughs> and you're going to go in a linear way. And that's just our human. Like we, we like to think right. of the thing. We like to think of this kind of that way, but it's not that way. And we kind of hop all over the, it's more quantum than it is like right. Newtonian. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and again, if you have even a basic understanding of the grief cycle, you do realize that that, that doesn't go in order. And mm -hmm. that even though you've resolved one of the phases of the grief cycle, doesn't mean you're never going to revisit it. Sure. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to go back a few times, you know? And, and so even if we reach, you know, the nirvana of acceptance and life feels okay again, there's going to be those moments where all it takes is a sound or a smell or a, you know, a word. And suddenly we're going to be right back into a place where we felt some pretty strong emotion before, but that's normal. You know, and, and I think, I think we've demonized that, you know, to the point that like, well, so you should be done with this by now. You've already dealt with this. Well, no, not necessarily, you know, and maybe now because I have new experiences, I'm able to see it through a different lens or a different perspective that brings even more understanding to the process. So I think, I think we have to allow ourselves to do that. And I, th I think that we have a tendency, or at least I do have a tendency to kind of hide that and not let other people see that. But I think we should, because I think everybody else is feeling the same way and they need to know it's okay. We need to take the stigma away. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a great quote and I'll read it. Um, I don't know if you use it in your book or not. Hmm. Um, it's, there are five stages to grief, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And right now out there, they're all denying the fact that they're sad and that's hard. 
and it's making them all angry. And it's my job to get them all the way through to acceptance. <laughs> and if not acceptance, then just depression. If I can get them depressed, then I'll have done my job. Oh, bravo on bringing in an office quote. That's brilliant. I should have included that. <laughs> I can always count on Michael were, Scott. I was gonna, I was wondering when it was going to click for you that I was reading Michael Scott. Oh, he's awesome. Yes. God, God bless you, Michael Scott. Yes, one of the greatest all-time characters. So, if if not the greatest all-time, I character. agree. We're yeah. on we're simpatico on that though. So, yes, yes. So it's um. This is a this is a big book. I think um, it's not big in terms of it's not long and it's not. It's not academic writing, right? No, you mentioned no, it's, it's anecdotal. anecdotal. Right. Um, what what excites you most about, about releasing your first book? Is it more relief? Is it more like, fine, I'm done with it? Or is it, or is there something else? Uh, well, first of all, there was a great amount of relief in just finishing it because I swear I thought it was never going to happen. Um, and I knew I had people waiting on it. And so I was very stressed out with the process and- and, um, but I'm a big people pleaser. So I, you know, try to live up to other people's expectations. So I was really struggling with that. So there was a great sense of relief in being done. Um, I am excited for it to come out only because I am feeling that internalized pressure again of, oh my God, what are people going to think? <laughs> and so the, the sooner it's out there and I get feedback, the better. Um, I'll be able to relax. Even if feedback's not good, I'll be able to relax a little bit. Um, but ideally, I want it to resonate with people. I want it to bring them some measure of peace in knowing that they're not alone Um, because that's really all it can do. I mean, it's not an answer. There's no answers in this book. Um, It's, it's just a series of pondering, you know, and trying to understand things from a psychological perspective. So if you get all the way to the end and you're hoping for some kind of an answer, I can't give it to you because I don't have your experience and you don't have mine. But isn't that the answer? Isn't the answer though, and this is, I think, the beautiful part of it, is that in the non-answer, simply the fact that it's a nod to people to say, this is how I feel. I understand how you feel. Right. I don't get everything and you don't get everything. Right. But but you can kind of give each other the nod and be like, we're, we're okay. Exactly. And that is a point I make at the end of the book. Like, okay, so- you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You are experiencing what a lot of other people have experienced. Um, and you know, all through the book, I do liken it to the idea of a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Um, and the final word in the book is that I imagine the interaction to include thankfulness for the process, even the pain and the feelings of dying, because it took all of these parts of the process to produce a new creature that will lift its wings and fly where it's never been before. And there's beauty in that. There's beauty in that idea. And, and so when we get to the end of our process or what we perceive to be the end of the process, my hope is that people can look back at it and say, all the pain all of the anger, all of it was worth it because I've become something new and better and I get to see life from a different perspective now. And that's, that's beautiful. That's a part of growing up. Exactly. Even if you have to wait till you're in your fifties to do it. (laughs) Yeah. That's why Richard Rohr makes the point that the second half of life has nothing to do with timing and years and, and this and that. It's a, it's, um, it's a qualitative change rather than a quantitative change. Right. Yeah. And I love that from him as well. He talks about the first half of your life being the 
about building your box, basically. Yeah. And the second half of your life being about what you choose to put in that box. And I liked that idea because, again, we've we've been told over and over that a deconstruction is is detrimental because we are throwing out everything. But that's not true. Most people are not throwing out everything. They're evaluating and deciding what's still important. And we should do that. So I, to me, that's the, that's taking everything that, out of the box that you've put into it metaphorically up until this point and going, is this still valuable? And does yeah. it fit with the rest of my life? And should I put it, should I keep it in the box or should I discard it? I mean, there's wisdom in that, you know, as you, as you begin to go through that process, there's a lot of wisdom in that. So I think it's a great process. Uh, had I th- been presented with that maybe nine or 10 years ago, I would have balked at it for sure. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, that again is a sign of growth too. And right. there's a lot of, there's a lot of things I would have balked at too, uh, you know, in my twenties, you yeah. know, even my, even my early thirties. Right. So. Yeah. And it never occurred to me and you and I've had this conversation before. It never occurred to me. I would question the existence of God. Even when I started down this road and even had a generalized understanding of deconstruction, it did not occur to me that I would ever doubt God. I thought, no, I'd never get there, but I did. I'm well, still there. <laughs> a, a, a wise sage once said that you were. So. I know. Yeah. I wonder who that was. <laughs> Some asshole with a podcast. Uh, and, and what was your wise words? Do you remember? Um, why? Well, I've, I've said so much. I, I know. Uh, There's so much wisdom to, from you. It's hard to find it. Yeah. It's hard to find it. No, I... <laughs> I, I, I do remember telling you that, um, and you've reminded me a couple of yes. times now that I have, I did tell you, you'd get to a place where you would question the existence yeah. of God. But when I, but when I got there and I said, this is too painful, I don't want to do this anymore. Your comment was the only way out is through. Yeah. I mean, the, the most amazing thing I've ever uttered out of my mouth. Exactly. <laughs> no, it was, it was deeply reverential to me though, because it it struck me and I thought, oh my God. So this is where you pull up your big girl pants and you decide to be brave and you venture forward regardless of not knowing what's out there, because that is what faith looks like. Even though we've been taught something else, that actually is faith in action. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though I'm, I'm not positive what that faith is attached to anymore, except to just temerity of my, my own temerity of wanting to move forward. So that sounds bad. It sounds like I have faith in myself. <laughs> I I just well, we we should have some faith in ourselves. Well, yes, yes. Again, but I know most people would find problem with that, or, you know, and say, "Oh, well, your faith has to be grounded in something concrete." Except, how do we decide how God is concrete? We none of us know Him in entirety. How do we decide that? You know so. what we do? We we learn to float, Michelle. Exactly. That sounds like a book title, Matt. It should be. <laughs> no sure one steal it, it out there. For all 20 of you listening, don't steal my shit. <laughs> that is the title of the book we did together. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which was brilliant, by the way. And that was your idea once again. See, you are brilliant. Well, don't, don't keep telling me that. Because you know what? If, 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 I, if my ego gets out of control, then I'm going to get like a dose of humble pie. And I don't You're want to hunt. You're going to have 15 people show up on your Facebook page to tell you what an asshole you are. So, so yeah, you're exactly. trying to balance it out. <laughs> Karma's a bitch and someone's going to come balance everything out and I'm not trying to get balanced right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I get enough shit on my feed, Michelle. You do. I watch it all the time and I do laugh. I do sit and chuckle quite a bit at your expense. <laughs> I laugh. I bring it upon myself. You do too sometimes. I do. I don't, yeah. 
I, you know, sometimes you, you know, when you type something yeah, and you're looking at it and you read it. Cause I, I got OCD. I don't know about you, but I, I make sure too, that yeah. the grammar is okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you're like, okay. You try to think of some of the people who might look at it. You're like, um, okay. Which what are they going to think? Yeah. And they're like, ah, fuck it. Enter. <laughs> well, and that depends on your mood too, right? Because like if you're oh, in a no, pondering no, no. if you're in a pondering mood, you may take it back and say, let me think about that some more. If you're just in a snarky asshole mood, you're like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care what anybody thinks. You jump all yeah, over me. I don't care. That, the problem with that though is that I do that in the moment and then I and then I have to step back and go, oh man, I, <laughs> I, I'm too busy today and I should have known that this shit was going to blow up in my face and I'm going to come back to Facebook and be like, oh, I was gone for four hours and now I have 78 notifications or something like that. Oh, who cares? Start a dumpster fire and leave. You're not obligated to go back to it. (laughs) I know. It's it's that, um, I, someone made it. It was like, uh, it's like this bombing, this picture of a bomber and it's like Thomas the train on, on the front of a bomber. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, uh, you know, Dropping one bomb before yep. going to bed on Facebook. Well, you know, why? Well, again, nobody's obligated to go back and argue that stuff. That's what cracks me up. But I also think that we reach a point where we're just we're not as interested in arguing anymore. We just kind of have gotten comfortable with what we where we're at, and we go, yeah, whatever. I don't have to explain myself anymore. Yeah, you know? that's what that's that. I think that that comes as a part of the deconstruction process. At least it has for me. Yeah. It has for Mike Machuga. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this the other day. Um, you know, I kind of laugh at like some of the churches who are having the debate on whether they should affirm LGBT. And I'm just like, oh my God, like we're still doing this? Like, yeah, like you're <laughs> still there? Really? I have <laughs> no interest to like defend that anymore. I'm like, you either do or don't. And if you don't, fuck off. Like that's Yeah, exactly. Like. And honestly, I mean, I don't know about anybody else. I just don't have enough emotional bandwidth in my day to decide whether somebody else's life is okay or not. <laughs> I right. just, I'm too busy trying to not fuck mine up. <laughs> So I, to, for, to me, to sit around and debate whether somebody's acceptable or not is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I and I do I would question I would question the character of God if if that's what He expected of us. Yeah. Um, you know, to decide if another person is worth something or not. Uh, you know, worth affirmation. Yeah. Because um, that seems like a no brainer, but I guess not. It seems like. Yeah. <laughs> and would you Would you dare to say no to God? Hmm. I don't know. I, I think where I am right now, I, I I really feel like if God is what I've been traditionally taught, yeah, he's got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. A lot. And, I, I, you know, my I, my husband even said this the other day. I was completely shocked because he's been behind me in this deconstructive process. But every now and then he lets something out. And he said to me the other day, um, you know, why do I have to act better than God does? And I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why am I expected yeah. to be better than God? Great rhetorical so, question. Yes, it is. And again, you'll get a lot of different answers depending on where people are, you know, with their understanding. But it's a valid question. If if God is allowed to burn his enemies, why do I have to forgive mine? Are, yeah. Am I not built in God's image? Why am I not allowed to act like God? So, I mean, well, you Michelle, you know, what you have to understand <laughs> is that. I'm about to mansplain something. I know, I know. I can hear it coming. Yeah, I've got a spidey sense for that mansplaining shit. So <laughs> I laid it on thick. I mean, come you on. Did. You did. You did give me a, a big warning on it, but yeah. 
I was, I was trying to think of the verse in Isaiah about God's ways being higher. But, higher than um, our ways, yeah. Yeah. Except nobody yeah. Re- nobody thinks about the context of that verse when they utter that. They're usually using it as though God is allowed to be an asshole because his ways are higher than our ways. But that's not the right. context of the verse. Well, it's literally opposite. It's right. Yes. It's some, some about mercy in there. Yes. Like we fail to recognize that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't fit our narrative. So, you know, we only acknowledge the Bible when it fits our narrative. <laughs> Otherwise, it's yeah. just... It's just a book that's made some mistakes along the way otherwise. So, <laughs> well, Michelle, I'm super happy for you that you are releasing your your first book and I'm I'm super stoked that it's going to be on choir, right? Yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. really happy about that too. I really I really enjoy pretty much everybody in choir. <laughs> I mean, oh boy. Wait, I know wait, most wait, wait, of wait. them. I know most of pretty them. Pretty much. So. Pretty much everybody. Well, I don't know all of them. I don't know all oh, of them. I know. I so, know. And it's growing. Yeah, pretty quickly. So yeah. that's encouraging. I think that's really a positive thing. So because I yeah. think I think the vision of choir has really been something that was necessary. Stepping outside of those everyday religious boxes and saying, look, there are other opinions and perspectives out there that are just as valid and important. Yeah, And Ralph has done a really good job with making that kind of his vision, you know, and inviting those authors that are interested in that vision to participate with him. So, yeah. Yeah. There was just something about it when, um, you know, my book, my first book on Wiffenstock was obviously not Mm -hmm. a big book for them, but for me, Wiffenstock and in the theological realm, Wiffenstock is highly respected and it's been around forever. Right. Right. And I, and I still like them. I, I appreciate what they're doing, but there was just something about choir when I wrote my second book that mm-hmm. I was like, you know, let's take a chance on this tiny little upstart. Yeah. Because there's something there that I think is going to be kind of groundbreaking and it's, yeah. it's kind of working out that way. And I'm super stoked that, um, that I've published multiple books since then yeah. and had a lot of friends come on and published with them and, and met a lot of people who have published right. with them. Yeah. You know, so it's been wonderful. I, I think back and I remember that um, the book release party for the blood of Abel, which was the first one with choir. Right. Yeah. And I remember, I didn't know who Ralph was then. I mean, I walked in and he introduced himself. I was like, Oh, Hey, I had no idea who he was. Yeah. <laughs> you know that this, Oh, this is who's publishing the book. I mean, but he's a very approachable person. He's very down to earth and he's very friendly. Um, so, cause you know, I think we have this idea in our mind, traditional publishing, which there is no traditional publishing anymore, basically. Um, and so, yeah, people are having to do this outside of the box and it, it's become an interesting process to just even observe. Um, and I think everybody thinks if you write a book, you make a lot of money, but that's not true. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. I mean, except so. for you. No, I was thinking Keith. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was going to say Keith too. <laughs> yeah, the rest of us are just putting out content for shits and giggles. So, <laughs> No, I'm just trying to uh, saturate the market so it all adds up to something. <laughs> I see. It's a grand plan. <laughs> I don't care if it's shit or not, just if it yeah. all adds up to one solid. No, it's yeah, being a content creator is funny. It's like um, you have your good months and then you have your real dry months. And right. so it's, uh, you know, it's. For anyone who thinks, yeah, that that authors, even when you do well on the charts or anything for a week or so, the way you make money is you got to be there. Like, like I oh, look at the chart. I, I look at the chart sometimes, and I'm like, oh, C.S. Lewis, he wrote that book 70 years ago. Has been dead for 30 years, mm-hmm. and it's still like number one. I'm like, holy right. fuck, it's good marketing. <laughs> it's really good marketing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Well, I mean, but, you know, you made a comment there about sometimes, you know, the week is good and sometimes it's not. But that's content creation, too. Anybody that's creative in any way, shape or form knows that you ebb and flow in the creative process. And so because of that, it's it's wise to understand that, you know, any outcome of your creative process is probably going to ebb and flow as well. That seems like the natural order. So, yeah. Unless you're William Paul Young and you write the shack on accident. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> and then they make it into a movie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, God bless them. Yeah. It's something right. Well, um, Michelle, thank you for coming on. Thank you yeah. for chatting with me. I, I will, uh, of course, spread the word when your book comes out. And I would thank encourage all of, all of my listeners to go buy it. It'll be on paperback right and kindle i think so i don't know i'm well, I'm, sure I'm a newbie i don't know how this process works and so okay well if your choir will take care of you on that it'll be kindle and yeah. paperback i would encourage you to find a uh narrator and you know ha- or do it yourself if you can oh my gosh i have somebody that i want an endorsement from and he doesn't have time to read the book Um, so his suggestion to me was that he was going to be traveling soon. And if I would, if I had time, if I would please record 30 minutes at a time for him, just reading it. So I actually agreed to do it because I was like, okay, that'd be kind of cool. We'll see what happens. So yeah. And because I really want his endorsement, (laughs) I really like him. So, um, and I quoted him in the book. So (laughs) I feel like. That's not too much to ask. But anyway, he was very gracious about it. He's like, I'm trying to come up with a solution because I really want to help you. And I'm like, I appreciate that. So um, we're going to see what we can put together. But yeah, it's. Uh, I, I hope there'd be an audible. I don't know, though. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, exciting. Um, look forward to the release and all that good stuff. Thank you. All right. I'll, uh, I'll catch you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And everyone listening, I hope you appreciate Michelle. If you haven't had a chance to yet, check out her uh, podcast, Bookish. The website is bookish, B-O-O-K-ish, I-S-H, dot C-C, not dot com, dot C-C. Check out her podcast uh, and be on the lookout for her book, which will be out shortly on Choir publishing the best publishing company out there right now i don't get paid to say that um i just say that because it's true i'm speaking my heart to you people so i don't have much else to say today i wanted to give michelle most of the time for this episode if you care at all about the state of the United States, if you're listening in the United States, uh, please vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but you know where I stand. And I'm saying this again. I totally lean libertarian and not, not, in, a, not in a cop-out sort of way, <laughs> like I feel like some Republicans do. Like I'm socially super liberal, as y'all know. But I am fiscally probably more conservative. I don't understand how debt works. I'm not allowed to rack up a shit ton of debt. So any of you liberals listening, explain to me how that works. Um, But, you know, come on. 
We we got we can't have a narcissist in charge for four more years. This the, the we cannot double down on this um this experiment that is Donald Trump and the cult of Trump. Um so you know, please don't vote for Trump. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but don't vote for Trump. Fuck. Jesus. Jesus Christ. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. I think a lot of us will be holding our breath and um and and just seeing how how Tuesday happens. You know what would be interesting if Trump wins and the Democrats get the Senate and stay and, and keep the house. Uh that would be fascinating. <laughs> Only because uh, you know, you know, Trump not having anyone in the uh, in the uh, the other branches of government, except for his stacking of the uh, not his stacking, the GOP's stacking of the courts, which is six three in favor of conservatives. And I tell you what, like if they reverse gay marriage and women's rights to safe abortions, like they, I mean that. Abortions, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough argument. That's a tough discussion. That's a heavy, heavy, uh, topic. But the fact of the matter is abortions are going to happen. So the question is, do we, do we allow them to be safe or, or not? And as far as, as far as LGBT rights and gay marriage goes, like if they flip that shit, they are soulless, heartless, Fucking, I don't know, clinging to your interpretation of your Bible, all that kind of stupid shit. So this is going to be an interesting week, folks. We will be back next Monday. I'm hoping to get Jeff Turner uh, rescheduled. It doesn't look like it's going to happen quite yet. Um, so, you know, I'll find someone or I won't. And if I don't, it is what it is. I'll talk at you for uh, for for an entire episode and you'll have to deal with my shit. Again, please go to patreon.com. The link is in the show notes. Patreon.com slash Distefano. Don't just gloss over me saying that because you're listening to free stuff. Everything I do is pretty much free except for books. Even Kindle copies of my books are almost free. The Heretic Happy Hour is free. If you sign up on Patreon, you get books. And... Let's all flip this script on on just consuming free stuff and not giving back because I think it's important to give back. And I don't want to have to run ads because I don't know what kind of ads they would be and uh, I don't know if I would actually believe in the company. So uh, let's just just keep it on the up and up here. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for spending almost an hour with me. Check out Michelle's work and uh, have a great week. Enjoy the election, everyone. Try not to drink too much whiskey. Peace.